Well, I'm uh, excited about uh, where we're headed this morning. Uh, I'm also excited about, I walked over to the little prayer station, and uh, it is all aglow, uh, which means that we are committing uh, to be a people who are asking God to move in the lives of other people. And uh, it's a beautiful thing to be a part of a community that, that wants to see God move. Uh, even this morning, we were praying um, that God, would you allow your spirit in a unique way to just speak to us, to challenge us, um, to cause us to consider some things. And um, uh, so that is my hope for this morning. Last week, uh, we talked about the elephant of technology. Uh, and talking to many of you over the last week or so, that was a challenging talk at some capacity because we we spoke to this idea that technology isolates, right? It it uh, creates comparison. It, um, in some ways, becomes addictive. And all of those things will God control ourselves, control our life. And, uh, and yet, at the same time, technology is a beautiful thing. And we can lean into all that is good about it. And uh, hopefully this week, you had some meaningful conversation with your small groups, put some things into place in terms of how best to live out uh, and begin to continue to talk about the elephant of technology. Uh, this next week, just wanted to highlight, next week uh, we are going to continue. Today we're going to be in the book of John, going in reverse. Next week we will also be in the book of John, uh, going in reverse. Uh, Jeff Reinhardt will be here. Uh, Jeff is the North American Director of Communitas International, or what many of you know as originally CA, or Christian Associates. Uh, so he is coming over from Coeur d'Alene and the church plant we have there. Uh, and he's going to share with us this next Sunday uh, out of the Gospel of John. So I'm pretty excited about what he has to share. And uh, I'll be excited to uh, introduce him again this next week. Uh, my goal for this morning is uh, a couple of things. What I want to do primarily is to look at uh, the Gospel of John chapter 18. If you have your Bible, you can turn there. Gospel of John uh, chapter 18. And remember, we're going through the book in reverse uh, really focused on the resurrection of Jesus and then the outcomes of that throughout the rest of the book. Uh, but this morning, I want to look at it from more of a biblical theological perspective. So instead of reading the story uh, and just taking it at face value and talking about uh, this happened and then that happened and then this happened and then that happened and then maybe saying some things about the historical accuracy of it or whatever, uh, we're going to try to go a couple layers deeper. And uh, pick up on a theme that's highlighted throughout the Gospel of John that John keeps coming back to again and again. So he brings it up over and over and over and over. And then it like finds most of its footing or its grounding in chapter 18. And uh, hopefully that'll make sense as we look at it. But the biblical theological idea is the word or the phrase to hand over. We're going to look at this phrase throughout the book because I think it helps us to understand what actually is taking place in chapter 18, and then not only that, how we might respond to it as individuals, all right? Uh, and part of why this maybe is a theme that you've not heard of before or hasn't like come up in your reading is because of the translation work that takes place when they take it from the Greek and the original language, translate it into the versions that we have. Uh, sometimes they translate a particular word in two different ways. And so it might not come up as frequently for you um, when you're just reading uh, the English version. So I want to start in uh, John chapter 6, verse 64. And I put a little English uh, trans, 
translation here where it's interlinear with uh, the Greek. And it says this, But there are some among you who do not believe. For from the beginning Jesus knew those who would not believe and who it was that would betray him. The phrase there, or the word there, betray him, literally means in the Greek, to hand over. Okay? It means to hand over. So if you were to rewrite this in a different translation, in the translation of whatever, a new community in 2018 version, right? It would read something like this. um, Who would hand over him is how the end of that sentence would be. Who would hand over him? Okay? And the reason I bring this up is because you're going to notice it again and again. So here... Here's a few of the references throughout the scripture. Starting in John 64, who would hand over him? Uh, In chapter 6, verse 71, uh, it states that Judas was going to hand over him. In chapter 12, verse 4, again defining the one who would hand him over. In chapter 13, they were going to collectively hand over Jesus. Chapter 13, verse 11, who was about to hand over him, being Jesus again. And then in chapter 13, verse 21, one of you will hand over me. It's Jesus speaking or communicating to them. So you see a bit of a pattern here. Now, for those of you reading, the, the, one of the beautiful things about patterns is you start to pick up on them. Now, because in the English it's betray, you might not pick up on it as frequently, but you're going to hear, if you're reading it, to hand over, to hand over, to hand over, to hand over, and uh, if this was a bit of a movie, it'd be like those moments in the movie where they kind of highlight something's going to happen, something's going to happen, something's going to happen, and then they're, they're telling you what's going to happen. He's going to be handed over, he's going to be handed over, and like you should be feeling this emotion build as you're reading the text. It's like reading the scriptures with emotion, right? You should be getting to the point, just like you are in a movie, like, is the thing about to happen? Is it going to happen? And what is it going to look like? Who's going to do it? How's it going to go down, right? So we're at that moment, and we get to chapter 18, and you are anticipating it as a reader, and then you come to this moment where Jesus is kind of treated like a hot potato. Have you ever played that game when you were little? Um, so you're given the hot potato and you throw it and like there's music or some little thing that's going on or everybody says the same thing at the same time and you want to get rid of it and not be the one holding on to it. That's how Jesus is treated here in John chapter 18. Initially hands Jesus over to the Jewish authorities. This is in the garden, right? And uh, he comes to this, the text says, to a familiar place that he and Jesus had met many times before. And he gets there and the first thing that happens is they're like, is, where is Jesus? And Judas comes, and we understand from other Gospels, gives him a kiss, and it's a sign that he is about to hand Jesus over. And so he does. He hands him over to the Jewish authorities. The Jewish authorities then hand Jesus over to Pilate. So they take him from there, and they go to the Gentile authorities. And they basically, the Jewish authorities go, we have no permission to kill him. We would like to, but we can't. It's not in our jurisdiction. So we're going to hand Jesus over, right, to you. So Pilate goes into this little conversation with Jesus, starts dialoguing, 
you know, does the whole, you see it in other gospels, who do you want? Do you want Barabbas? Do you want Jesus? And there's like this whole thing going on, right? And then Pilate says, washes his hands and says, I wash my hands of this. And he hands Jesus over to the crowd and says that you've decided Barabbas will be released. Jesus will be handed over to you. And then in turn hands him over to the soldiers. At that point, the soldiers, as we know the story, they hand him over to death or they place him on the cross. And again, hand over, it comes up again and again and again. And then we get to this moment that we're going to reflect on when we get to a Good Friday here. Um, we get to this spot in the story where Jesus is on the cross and he says, I commit my or hand over my spirit to you, to the church, for the world, right? So you have all of these things happening, but they're all centered on this theme that's come up again and again and again throughout the book. Jesus is handed over, and he's handed over, and he's handed over, and he's handed over. And then he gets to the place where he hands himself over in that moment, right? And he gives up his last breath. And so you have this theme throughout the story. And you might be asking yourself this question, and here's where we want to spend some time in reflection. You might be asking yourself the question, so what? It's great. Love that. I love that John wanted to highlight this. I love that he shows that Jesus was going to be handed over. And then, hey, he was handed over. Excellent. So what? What do we do with that? Okay? I want to, I left one particular handing over out of the rest of it because I think it's a significant one. It says this in John ten eighteen. Jesus is speaking. He said, no one takes it speaking of his life, from me. But I lay it down, or in other words, you could say, I hand it over of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. Now, it's easy for us to think when we're going through the story of Jesus being handed over and handed over and handed over that he had no control over the whole process, right? But rather, the text makes it really clear, and Jesus makes it clear that what he has done is allowed himself to be handed over. He's continued to kind of surrender. So he hasn't been handed over as much as he's, been allow- he's allowed himself to be handed over. And one of the things that I think is really unique in our own lives is that we often have this space where we think we're the one in control, And we're the one that wants to determine whether something gets handed over or not. And so here's what I want us to reflect on this morning. I'm going to give us a couple times to do it. And I'm going to give you about 30 seconds or so to reflect in each one of these uh, questions in the moments to come. Uh, And I'm also wanting us to have a bit of a discussion. So the first one is this. What does surrender, if we're supposed to follow the example of Christ, if we're supposed to copy the very things he does, and he handed himself over, he handed part of his life over. What does surrender look like for you? What in your life do you need to presently hand over? And what are some things generating stress and worry in your life that you need to surrender? I want to give you a moment to just think about that, and then we're going to discuss it here.
So take about 30 seconds, 40 seconds to, to think about that. I know some of you are still writing things down, but let's talk it out for a moment. Let's talk it out. Uh, what are some things right now that you would suggest that we, maybe there's a situation, I'm saying it in general because then you don't have to feel like what you share is the thing you really need to hand over, um, but rather, what do we need to hand over? What are some things that you could use as illustration that maybe need to be surrendered to Christ in our lives? Just shout them out, and we'll go one at a time and, and maybe tease it out a bit. Or maybe you've just lived such surrendered lives that there's nothing that really we still need to hand over. Spirit, our spirit, okay? Uh, the very core of who we are, certainly. I mean, ben Benjamin demonstrated that this morning, saying, I, I give all of myself to you, God, that that would be a great, a great illustration. Yeah, yeah, those things that wake us up in the middle of the night, maybe stressors, fears, yeah, fears have to be handed over. Maybe there's this debilitating thing that has continued to come up uh, that you, you fear all the implications, uh, whether it's something that maybe is out of your control that you're going, man, I, I don't know if I can get through this. That would be something to hand over. What else? What are some other things we need to hand over? Future. You're like me in any way. I kind of like to have it buttoned down. I like to know what the, the plan is. I want to know what the next six months looks like, the next year looks like. Make sure we have everything in order to accomplish what we intended to. Uh, but sometimes it's just releasing whatever that future looks like. Other things. Success. Some of us grasp so tightly to this idea. And, and honestly, one of the big questions is how do you even define success? And what does that mean? And why are we grabbing so tightly to it? Health. Yeah, I, I, there are people I know in this room that have had to or are in the process of surrendering health. Worry, yeah, definitely. The fear and anxiety. Political leaders, yeah, the political climate, political leaders handing that over and allowing God to be in control. Kids, yeah, I mean, we're at the stage we're about to send our daughter off to college, um, which... I didn't know I don't look that old, but I'm starting to feel that old. Um, but yeah, like they're, wow, my goodness. Like, but not just that. For some of us, it's handing them over each day they go to school. For some of us, it's handing them over because right now they're maybe like some of us struggling with relationships. Maybe that's something to hand over, relationships. Um, some of us sense a deep... A deep loneliness. And we want that filled and we try to figure out how to fill it. And maybe it's just releasing that to God and saying, God, you'll fill this in proper time or you'll fill this with yourself. Um, I was talking with an individual uh, recently who um, talked about a desire to be married and wanting that for years and that not being fulfilled yet. And honestly said to me, I'm, I'm handing that over. Just a, a week ago, I'm handing that over, and God will do what he needs to do, um, and I'll trust him in it. Uh, we could go on and on. Uh, some of us, it's our identity, how it is we're 
recognized, what we're known for. Uh, I have uh, multiple friends who are pastors in town, uh, but just recently, um, honestly in the last like three or four months, uh, three of what I would consider my best pastor friends in town uh, have all just resigned. Um, They just said, you know, I think it's time for me to be done. Um, And some of them are just done for good in terms of vocational ministry. Others are saying, I don't know if God has that for me sometime in the future, but for now, it's not what I have. But the reason I bring it up on an identity is because then the next week when people are talking to them and they're like, hey, who are you? What do you do? I I used to do. But they're, they're struggling with like, well, who am I actually now? Some of us define ourselves by our work. And so maybe it's an issue of identity. Maybe there is hurt or pain in your past. Abuse. Um, tension that you look like to release that. What would it look like to hand that over? I think what's interesting about this story is that the posture that we're talking about, this idea of handing something over, of letting go, of, of giving it to God, of surrender, is not a posture that we generally like to take. Um, I would suggest that instead our posture is one uh, that's a little bit more like Peter. Uh, So Peter, in this moment in the garden, you'll remember this. It says this in chapter 10, or in chapter 18, verses 10 and 11. Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. Uh, The servant's name was Malchus. And then Jesus said, put away your sword into your sheath. Uh, Shall I not drink the cup that the Father has given me? I I always think about this moment, and I imagine that Peter probably wasn't just going for his ear. Uh, I kind of imagine that he just was like, I'm taking this guy out. And then you had one of those like Matrix moments, you know, and then the guy just lost his ear. And then people are probably like, that didn't happen, come on. And then, so I think the author was like, no, dude, it's Malchus, check him out, he only has one, right? Like, I imagine that is all part of the story. And so you have this moment where Peter goes, no, 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 Uh -uh. I'm not handing over. I'm not letting this go down. And his response is one of power, right? Other words you could use would be violence, self-defense, defensiveness, stubbornness, control. I mean, think about how many times you're at a moment where what you know God is asking is for you to hand over that thing and what you do instead is just grab tighter. So Peter's demonstrating, no, it won't go down like this. I won't let go. Right? And Jesus responds this way. A little later in verse 36, Jesus speaking to Pilate answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting, self-defense, power, struggle, that I might not be handed over or delivered over to the Jews, but my kingdom is not from the world. What Jesus is doing is demonstrating there's a difference between kingdoms and his kingdom will little look a little bit more like Matthew when it says this, may your will be done. May your will be done. Peter was not in the business of wanting that to happen. And Jesus said, no, no, 
This is not a place for us to come with defensiveness, with control, with power, with violence. This is a place for us to surrender. Your will be done. Here's the second thing I want you to reflect on, and I'll give you a moment to do it, and then in groups as well this week. In what ways are you seeking to control the outcome of your situation? That could be relationships, success, friends, money, worry, anxiety, health. What are you still holding on to instead of handing over? Take a moment and reflect on that. Let me finish with this thought. So we know that the story of the Christian life is really a story of continual dying and being born to new life. But if you were to talk about what it means to be a follower of Jesus, you would recognize this rhythm throughout Scripture, that there is this dying to self and being raised to new life. There's this symbol of death and resurrection. There is the literal death and resurrection of Jesus. And Jesus says this, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. What Jesus is getting at is this, that without the painful process of dying, there is nothing new that is being born. Without the painful process of dying, there is nothing new being reborn. Sometimes something has to die for something else to replace it. And instead, what we tend to do to hold on so tight or we start trying to breathe life into it ourselves give CPR we pull out the paddles we're like just trying to resuscitate whatever it is instead of just just let it go let it die right over and over you see that until you're ready to let it die new life cannot grow up in its place So we need to be people who are handing over. And the question is, how do you do that? Why would you do that? It comes down to trust. So here's why I would suggest that we could also be people who follow the example of Jesus and hand over. And that's because of a very well-known verse in the Gospel of John, John 3.16. It says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son or handed over his only son. That whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. The very God that we worship and the God that we gather to give praise to is the God that demonstrates what it means to hand over that which is most valuable. And to let that die in such a way that new life is born. And without that act, I don't think that any of us would have the trust necessary to place our, whatever it is, in his hand, to hand it over. I want you to to reflect on this last thing. What are some things that you need to die to and let go of? How does God handing over Jesus provide space for you to hand over yourself And what does this reality lead you to do?
give you about 30 seconds to reflect on that, and then we'll close with a benediction. Part of why I kept sensing over the last couple of weeks that this is what God wanted me to share is really this idea that I, I am convinced that what God has been doing in our midst over this last year is phenomenal. And I anticipate that as we come up to Easter in our one year kind of, of being in this building, that God is going to continue to move among us. But I think he only moves among people who are surrendered, right? He moves among people who say, I'm humble and I'm ready, that I'm willing for you to do what you need to do, and I am just a part of what you're doing. And allowing him to work through us is uh, what I would encourage each of us to do. And again, it starts in a place of handing over. Would you stand with me? And we'll do a benediction. And this is my prayer for us and uh, my encouragement or exhortation. And then after that, I'm going to finish with uh, Paul's words uh, that I think are challenging for us as well. New community. May we surrender today with all of our heart and soul. May we say yes to him today. May we hand over our health, our family, our resources, our occupation, our choices, our relationship, our time, and our successes, all of ourselves. And Maybe we be people who follow the words found in your word. Finally, my friends, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me or seen in this community, put it into practice and that God of peace will be with you. Let us go in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. If you would uh, like to be prayed over this morning, uh, feel free to come over here. If you'd also like to light a candle, um, just if prayer for God to move in people's lives, please do that as well. But have a great week. Be blessed.